feast on your word today. We open the book. We thank you that your word gives us life. Nate told me to talk on Pentecost. That's a good thing to speak on Pentecost. To speak on Pentecost. So, yeah, he said yeah, he would encourage me to speak about Pentecost again, and especially the gift of tongues. I love speaking on the gift of tongues. So that's what I want to do. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. And there came a sound from heaven like a rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the place where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. Imagine that. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Immediately, they were speaking languages that they had never learned. How long does it take to learn a language? to speak it to somebody else like well no to take five more years and you might get there what right fluency like fluency, fluency like to actually sp speaking a language is one thing but like speaking it so that like english to us like we like know that you're probably from the united states or you're probably from england yeah. or something but like the holy spirit was speaking to them in a language that they could hear and connect with in their heart and they were, they were speaking easy, I mean, in a way that people knew what they were saying. That's miraculous. That's utterly miraculous. That there are all kinds of languages being spoken. And that was used to gather a crowd. We don't know how many thousand. We know how many came in. Was it 2,000 that were saved or 3,000? 3,000. <coughs> So there probably was a crowd of at least twice that, maybe three times that, I would suspect. 10,000 people were, came together. Jerusalem swells whenever there are feasts. This is a feast time, and it swells. So think about three special days. Now, make them all peas. You've got the Passover season. You've got the Pentecost season. And this is parousia. Parousia is the Greek word is still used for advent or coming. The parousia, do you have that? In modern Greek, because in, uh, in Koine Greek of the New Testament, it speaks about the second coming of the Lord. So, three very important events. The passion of Christ. Now, Pentecost. How, how, how much after this day came this? Forty plus ten. Do the math. He he rose he rose um, he he rose and then he ascended. When he ascended, it was forty days, and then they were there for ten days. Penta. Penta. Fifty. Pentecost. This this is the start of the new covenant. The new covenant is a radical departure because Ezekiel had said, I will put my spirit where? Within you. 
word with. New covenant used the word in. I'll tell you how radical that is. If people wanted to find God during the time the children of Israel were in the wilderness, where could they find God? Well, they're looking around. People are looking. People go on pilgrimages to find God, don't they? They try to find a holy place because they hear that somebody got healed in France at this pool. And so people go there because they want to find God. They want to get what God can give them. So they're on a search. People are on pilgrimages all over the world looking for God. So we say, well, he's in this tent. That's the tabernacle. That's where the Spirit of God, that's where God came down. That's where God speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. But then they built a temple, a beautiful temple. And God's presence came into the Holy of Holies. So strong that the priest couldn't enter. It was thick with the presence of God. So they could hardly get in. So if you wanted to find God, you came to Jerusalem. Because there's God. We know where he is. He's right in there. In that Holy of Holies. And it was a sacred place. You could get killed if you did the wrong thing inside the Holy of Holies. So they had ropes on them when they went in, in case they had to, if they died, they could at least pull them out. Yeah. But then, the temple was destroyed. And with it, the faith of people who believed it, we can't have God without a place. We don't have a place now. But God is a people of faith. Well, they built another temple, the second temple, and then Herod added to it. And he, was, he tried to endear himself to the Jews. So he, uh, he was a half-breed, he was an Edomite, and uh, so he tried to get close to them. I don't think it helped, but it, it could have been easily one of the seven wonders of the world. The platform is the biggest platform that has ever been made anywhere, including today, 20 football fields. It took 10 years to make to make the um, retaining wall for that 20 football field platform, biggest platform ever made. I just want you to see some of the pictures about this temple. It's gigantic. Here's Solomon's temple, and here's the one that Herod did. So when the disciples are walking out of this, they had a reason to say, look at these beautiful stones. Herod would bring in stones. They have no idea how he got in there. They're 40 feet long. They're thick. They, they must weigh 1,000 tons. How did he get in there? We don't know. Some of them are still standing. If you went to the Welling Wall, it's the, really the Western Wall, you know, where you stick your prayers in, the, uh, that's the only thing left of the, the, the western wall, of, of the ruins of this temple. Here it is, yeah, right. Here's where, here's where people go to pray. I lived about five blocks from this for eight months, so I got accustomed to coming over here. Okay, the next one, uh, CJ. I just want to give you a feeling what these, see these, see how long they are? That's one stone. That's one stone. So Jesus said, no stone will be left on top of another. So he is saying there's going to be something so devastating, it will be an army, and even an army probably couldn't, couldn't move it. Look at that thing. 
So uh, they had reason to, to admire him. It was one of the wonders. He was insane, but he was brilliant. He was so insane that he killed his own family. You know, he killed his family members. He killed his wife. Uh, so that gives you a picture of the, of the mock-up of, the, of that city. So, so they admired him. Jesus said it's going to go down, and it did then in 70 AD. So we are living in the last days. Pentecost begins the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, says Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So this is the beginning of the end. Are we in the last of the last? I don't know. Jesus said, don't, don't be deceived. Now here's some signs you can look for. But really be looking for me. Don't look for just look at the signs. But be looking for me. So every gift of the Spirit is found in the Old Covenant except one. What gifts do you see under the Old Covenant? Think of gifts that are gifts of the Spirit that are uh, resonant in the Old Covenant. Prophecy. Okay. A lot of it. Keep going. <clears throat> Discernment. Wisdom. Daniel. Lots of wisdom. Any miracles? Incredible miracles. Moses. Think of the miracles. The kind of miracles that Jesus did with nature. Healing. Lots of healing. Elijah. Elisha. Raising from the dead. Lots of miracles under the Old Covenant. What gift do you not see in the Old Covenant? Tongues. You don't see tongues. For some reason, I'd like to know the answer, but I don't know it. I'm praying for wisdom. I don't know the answer. Why do you reserve it for the New Covenant? I'm going to talk about tongues today, and I have an idea why he may have reserved it. The power of tongues is so incredible that he might have reserved it for New Covenant people to walk in the Spirit with the gift of tongues, and what I want to do is I want to speak about it, and then I want to pray for it. And if you desire to speak in tongues, I'm not going to, you know, this isn't a must thing. This is a hopeful want to release it in your life. I've done it many places with many people and love to do it. So that's my desire, to see you refreshed in the Spirit and seeing God do this in your life. So I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 14 and I wrote a blog on this recently because I was so fascinated by, by what he said about the gift of tongues. And so uh, if you read that you could probably teach this. Pursue love. So he just talked about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Do you know that 1 Corinthians 13, it's, the, it's called the love chapter. It's about gifts of the Spirit. It's how to use the gifts of the Spirit, because he's talking in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 about the gifts of the Spirit. The place in the Bible where you find most information on the gifts of the Spirit is 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. That's where we go to get our information about the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 13 is saying, Yes, but if you use the gifts of the Spirit and operate them without the motivation, 
the manifestation is worth how much? And so that's the important thing. So, he's bringing us back to chapter 13 by saying, pursue love, and then he takes us forward, earnestly desire. That word, Chris, as you probably know, is zelao. Zelao. What do you think that means? Zealous. Zealous. Do you have that? Is that word in, in modern Greek? Earnestly desire. So, to say, well, maybe, sort of, that isn't earnestly desire. Earnestly desire is, yes, I really want God to give me the gifts of the Spirit. Earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, and especially that you may prophesy. To prophesy is to speak God's now word into somebody's heart, into a situation. It's not simply speaking encouragement. Although that's a wonderful thing, to have the gift of encouragement. But the gift of prophecy, there's a nowness about it. There's a timeliness about it. It's God is bringing that word to that person now. So, uh, but if we learn to encourage, we can move into prophecy. So my friend Fred Tony, who is uh, prophetically gifted and traveled with me to Latvia and Finland, and I would preach, and he would then prophesy and prophesy and prophesy. He liked to teach people, and I'll do this with you sometime, is to, to say this to somebody. I'll do it with you. The Father loves you and says to you, and then he said, you finish the sentence. So that you begin to speak Encouraging where the Father loves you and says to you, and as we teach people how to prophesy, that's a wonderful gift that we bring to them. We've been not doing that at Lutheran Renewal for some years. What we were doing is we were bringing in prophets, and we would hear from the prophets, wonderful people like Rick Joyner and John Paul Jackson, who would give spot-on prophecies to people. And people were grateful for those words. And very few people were saying, I could do that. And so we came to a point where we said, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to train people how to enter into the gifts, not just showcase people's gifts. And then Carus and Israel said, I could do that. I hope that's what you're saying. It's fun for me when we have guests come in, like our friends from Latvia, and we put them up front, and you guys pray over them and prophesy over them. That's a wonderful for me to see. For those who speak in a tongue, speak not to men, but to God. Number one, speaking in, in tongues is prayer. It's to God. When you're praying in tongues, you have an audience of one. I that's wonderful. That when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying. I hope that is encouraging to you. That, that you're not taking up time. You have a cause with God. You don't know what you're saying. But God knows. And he's receiving it. And it's blessing God. In fact, 
you are uttering, number two, you are uttering mysteries in the Spirit. Mysteries is an important New Testament word. It's not detective mysteries, brothers. That's not what a mystery is. A mystery is something that has been held back for thousands of years and is now revealed. And even in its revelation, it remains a mystery. So when Paul speaks about Christ and the church and the love that Christ has for the church and compares that to a marriage between a husband and wife, he says, this is a great mystery. Well, it's revealed, but it's still a mystery. So we marvel at <coughs> 1 Timothy 3. Paul says, great indeed is the mystery of godliness. He came in the flesh, and it talks about Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery, but we know it. It's revealed to us. So when we are speaking in tongues, we are speaking these wonderful truths back to God. Mystery. Third, we are doing it in the Spirit. It's possible to be in the flesh without being in the Spirit, right? Where do you want to be? I want to be in the Spirit. If I'm speaking in tongues, I'm most likely in the Spirit. That's a wonderful place to be. And Paul says, when you're speaking in tongues, you are in the Spirit. And then he says something to me is the most incredible thing about the gift of tongues. Maybe not more incredible than the fact it's a mystery. But he says the one, verse 4, this is my fourth point, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. I do exercises. I do them in my room where I study. And I do... I do quite a few because I want to live them. And I want to do my part. I call it temple maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, sometimes I don't want to, I don't feel like it, I'm tired. And sometimes I give in and I don't. But other times I do, <coughs> I'm exercising when I'm speaking tongues. <coughs> I'm building myself so, how long should you speak in tongues? As long as the Spirit leads you. How, yeah, how long do you want to be built up? And you take five minutes, well, that works. Or you can speak in tongues for 30 minutes. Well, then you got six times that five. So, when, when can you do it? Well, I'll, I'll get to that later. But... This is so valuable. I don't know too many people who are, and I've told you this before, who are overdosing on encouragement. They just need a little discouragement in their life. You know? They need to be pulled down because they're too up. It's too, they're too happy. They need discouragement. Say something discouragement to you. Well, man, I'm just too up. No. But I know a few people who need to be, need to be encouraged. Every once in a while. Well, how do I get encouraged? Now, 
important question. How do I know that? Because I feel better when I say the prayer? No. I can't say that I feel much different, but the Word of God says I'm being born again. That's enough for me. That's enough for me to do it. And I don't do it enough. I want to do it more. But I'm telling you that if you speak in tongues, you are building yourself up because the Word of God says so. One who prophesies builds up the church. Well, that's good too. The more you use the gift of tongues, the more you will be able to use other gifts. Because the gift of tongues will prepare you. Then he says, he says some really wonderful things in this passage. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Okay, here is the greatest apostle who ever lived saying, I want you all to speak in tongues. Anybody want to exclude themselves from that? statement. I want you all. There's He found value in this gift. So he wants us all. I have a friend who works with a wonderful ministry and I was trying to talk to him about this and he, he called it gobbledygook. And I realized I wasn't going to be, I wasn't getting through to him. So I just backed off. I'm very sad because he's taking the word of God and calling tongues gobbledygook. He'll have to answer for that. I won't. I'll have to be careful. I won't answer for my resentment toward him for saying that. It was insulting. Unfortunately, he he believes that. Some wounding, something that someone maybe put him on the spot and said, well, you don't have the spirit to be able to speak in tongues said something stupid maybe to him and so he took offense. I don't know. But Paul wants us all to speak in tongues. Even more prophesy. Then, he says in verse 10, there are doubtless many different languages in the world. That's the six reasons. Ten, the six truths about tongues. We know from chapter 2 in Acts that when they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking languages. When Paul starts 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men, then he says, or angels. Suggesting that maybe tongues could sometimes be a language of speaking. That's good. Axel, Sven Axel, had this story. He says, I was out in California. I go out there every year and I speak at churches in Central, Southern Central California. And after I was speaking, a guy came up to me and he said, I feel like I'm supposed to speak to you in tongues. And he was a little bit uncomfortable because he knew there were people there that did not believe in the gifts. Evangelicals who some of these don't believe in it. So he was a little uncomfortable, but he said, yeah, go ahead. So he starts speaking in tongues, and he's speaking perfect Swahili. And of course, Sven Axel knows it like a native, because he is a native. And when he got done with this message, shocked, Sven Axel said, do you know what you were saying? What do you mean, don't know what I was saying? I was speaking in tongues. I had no idea what I was saying. You were speaking in Swahili. And of course, he was shocked and surprised. But you know that that happens often. 
It happened to me when I was in Norway. Did I share that story with you? I was at the home of Radon Paulson, who is the head of a network, Norwegian network of churches. She had kind of a relationship with art. And so I was speaking the next day, and before I did, I met the young man who was in their home. He was from Croatia, Serbia, right in there, one of those countries, 31 years old. The next day I spoke on what I had given to you, um, the Easter time, uh, the, the, the courage of <coughs> Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. How courageous they were. It, at, at the thread of life, now to be open followers of Jesus Christ. I think we don't hear about them in the upper room because, or uh, in the Pentecost crowd, because I think they were killed for what they did. Anyway, I spoke on this, and I said, now just break up into small groups, and remember, they're not Norwegian. The guy from Serbia comes up to Mike and says, just so you know, uh, oh, I was I was in just going back and forth. And oh my gosh, they're so just playing cards. And uh, he was listening to me. And he came up and he said, "Paul is speaking my language." So it was either Croatian or Serbian. And he said he was telling us to be courageous in the spirit, which is what I just spoke about. Now. That doesn't say a lot about me, but says a lot about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, think about how incredibly radical that is. It takes five years to, to get started with a language. Kids have to be brilliant. Kids, kids start learning a language just by listening to it for two, three, four years. Isn't that something? That we pick up a language by listening to it. And now I'm speaking a language that I never heard before. And he, he hears it, and he tells them what I was talking about. I call that a miracle. I, that stuns me that God did that, and he does it all the time. That's encouraging to me, that God can use you to do miraculous things. Can I ask you a question, Paul? On the day of Pentecost, uh, Nate suggested something last week I'd never thought about before. So when he's preaching, he was preaching, and there's people from all over, and then they start speaking these tongues, and each one heard it in their own language. I, I think if I heard Nate right, the suggestion was, he spoke out in a tongue, and the Spirit let each of them hear it in their own language. Was that also possible? That I think it's possible, but I think... I think they all spoke different languages. I think they all. That sounds to me like what the text says. But I think that could be. I think there could be times where the gift comes in the interpretation rather than in the speaking. But I do know that the gift also is in the speaking. Because people have taken, uh, they have detected it. Like I have a friend that I think he's speaking Chinese. Well, some graduate student did some work and detected the sounds, and it's a real language. Wow. So it's not just in the interpretation, but okay. in the language itself. Cool. It is cool. It is cool. It's miraculous. 
So, well, if you're honest, I just, why do you think God, what's the purpose of speaking in that language? You know, I mean, yeah, it's to edify us, but why did God just do that? Just in our own. Isn't it because she's evangelizing? There are times where it's used for evangelizing. I think there are other times where it's used, like in this situation, just to, oh my, whew, he really did that. He's among us. Now that's what we were in awe that happened, that one of Swahili, that guy was in awe. God used him to speak a language and we learned that, that this, is a, a, this is a heavenly language. Yeah, but so, when I speak in tongues and it's supposed to edify me, I have no idea what I'm saying. Right. So how is that edifying me? How is that edifying? You know? You're feeling it has zero to do with it. Zero to do with it. If the word of God says you're being built up, you are being built up. And I take that by faith, not by feeling. Because sometimes I have zero feeling with speaking in tongues. I have more feeling sometimes speaking in English. But if he said if the word says it, then that's enough for me to exercise that thing. So that's a mystery. That's why we don't understand. Maybe. Just, just accept it by faith. Yeah. We yeah. don't know. The ways of God are not always completely understood. Counterintuitive, yeah. I'm going to hurry through to finish. I'm a, I'm a little behind, sorry. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So they have done tests, scientific tests, to test what kind of brain waves people have, for instance, when they meditate. And there, are, there is brain activity when you meditate. It's not as high as when you're doing calculus. But there, the brain waves are active. When you speak in tongues, the brain waves are flat. In other words, there's zero brain activity. This is also phenomenal because there's no other time when your brain is, is like that, when you're in motion when you're speaking or when you're doing something, no other time, but when you're speaking in tongues, they are flat, which says you can make breakfast and speak in tongues. You can be driving in the car and speak in tongues. You can be studying the scripture and speak in tongues because your mind, he says, is, is inactive or unfruitful. That's exactly what happens. What, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I'll pray with my mind. The mind now is engaged. Another miracle. It's an incredible miracle. That's amazing. That's amazing research can do that. Because that shows the supernatural power of the spirit. It isn't us. So yeah. Kathy, I mean, it's the spirit. We're praying in spirit. The Bible says the spirit intercedes for us and groans for us in ways that we can't. That's huge. That's a supernatural power. We just know as building us up. Yes. The fruit would come. All the way through this, there, there's, there's a miraculous finding its way. Paul says in verse 18, this is number 8, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. What is he saying? Is he bragging? I'm, I'm hoping that I, when I get to heaven, I can say to Paul, Paul, I spoke in tongues more than you did. I, I'm going to challenge him. Only God will know. I have age at my uh, advantage because I'm living longer than he did. All he has is being the greatest apostle who ever lived. That, that probably would be for some. We know what you're going to be doing in heaven. That's funny. <laughs> I'm going to find out. If I said to my kids, I thank God that I exercise more than you all, what am I saying to them? 
<laughs> okay, maybe that too. I found value in something that I want them to find value in. I want them to do what I'm doing because this is very important to me. And so if they see me do something, sometimes they pick it up. Okay, Dad, we learned that from you. I hope they learn tongues from me. Because I speak in tongues a lot. And I want them to do it too. Sometimes you have to put a verbal challenge out there like, like you did, though. It's not just seeing you do it. Great that you exercise, Dad. When Dad comes and says, hey, I exercise more than you do. Put the competition to you. Put the stake in the sand right there. Yeah. It's like, hey. Yes. Come after me. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Then number nine, tongues are uh, sign not for believers or for unbelievers. I don't really understand that section, so don't ask me questions about that part. But uh, tongues can be a sign. And then number ten, we go back to chapter thirteen that they have to be done with love. Yes. So uh, let's pray. And then we'll go eat. I want you to think of it this way. I don't know who here speaks in tongues and who doesn't speak in tongues. I don't, I don't know who wants to speak in tongues and who doesn't want to speak in tongues. I hope you all want to if you don't. And my theology is this, is this. If you want to and you've asked to, you do. You just don't know how to release it. And I'm going to talk to us how to release it today. And the way we release it is we talk. I prayed with hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of people who have not opened their mouth, and they said they didn't receive it. And they don't know if they received it because they didn't open their mouth. There's only, only one way I can talk to you, and that is by opening my mouth. I have to open my mouth to talk to you. I have to open my mouth to speak in tongues. So I tell people, open your mouth and make sound. You're not blaspheming against the Lord. You are, you are stepping out in faith. God loves people who, are, who, step, who are ahead of the game, who step out in faith, who just start making sounds, and then God turns it into a language. So when we pray, your job is to open your mouth. Don't keep it sh shut and meditate and wonder what's going on. Don't meditate. This is not the time to think. This is the time to ask. You open your mouth and you go shaka 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 shaka. And you say, I'm just making that? Yes. Because if God is going to turn it into a language, you're saying, I'm eager. I want what you have sounding. And for some of you, you have used the gift for a while and then you kind of shelved it because you didn't see its value. I hope this morning you see the incredible value of tongues and that as a discipline, you will exercise it much more. And so I thank you, Father, that you sent us your Holy Spirit, that you come to us. You love to show us your love. You love to show your gifts to us. You love to give to some healing, some discernment, some wisdom, some miracle. Thank you. That just like the body, there are arms and legs and eyes and ears. And we're all part.
and for Holy Spirit, as you do in Christ God, I invite you into this silence. I invite you to come here in our hearts. And for those of us for whom this is new, give us courage to step into something that is new and fresh and very exciting. And for those of us who, who have not exercised or, or been diligent, we're sorry for that. And we want to exercise it newly. Because we want to live for others, not for ourselves. And instead of that, please, right now, from the top of our heads, we're bowing our God is doing what we just prayed because he says, do what you will not as your good. How much more does the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so that complicated. We simply ask and then we receive. We say yes. So just now in your heart and how you want to just say yes to the Holy Spirit coming to you this way. Say yes. Just receive him. Receive his closeness to you. Receive him his presence. Receive him coming with his word. Breathe it in. Sometimes when Justin Blakely leading us, and I say just keep the song going, I know that's on some of you. Keep them and sing the songs. That's when I often sing and come. A wonderful time mm -hmm. just to let the Spirit take a role, let the Spirit take you. And so we're just going to start singing. And I'll start. And if this is new for you, I just encourage you to come with us. Like a little child making sounds. Two-year-olds are good at it. They just keep it up and they begin their own life. 
so many fathers and in this town. 